Dear listener, we hope that you've been enjoying the variety of podcasts that we have on our network. Now is your opportunity to help us by telling us a little more about you. Please visit jcastnetwork.org survey and complete our listener survey so that we can learn more about you and your listening habits. Again, please visit jcastnetwork.org survey. Thanks so much. You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit mikeknopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Sometimes the triennial cycle is a fickle mistress because... Last week, the triennial cycle enabled us to, uh, to, to focus on uh, one of the more focal points of the Torah portion uh, and uh, enabled us to not have to spend a lot of time, at least this year, reflecting on the latter part of the Torah portion, which uh, begins to detail the roles of each of the Levite clans uh, vis-a-vis taking the, carrying the tabernacle and its accoutrements uh, through the wilderness. So we don't hear at the end of last week's Torah portion about the Kohatites who are to, whose charge is to carry the uh, most sacred parts of the Mishkan, uh, the Ark and, uh, and uh, its, related, uh, its related elements. But this week, we do read about the tasks of the Levite clans in taking the portions of the tabernacle through the wilderness. We hear there are three Levite clans. There are three uh, subcategories of Levites. The Kohatites, who we read about last week. The Gershonites and the Merorites, who we read about this week, because Levi, the child of Jacob, son of Jacob, had three sons. Kehat, Gershon, and Merari. And so each of them have their own divided tasks with respect to carrying the ark around. I can see already the glassy look in your eye that this is not an extraordinarily exciting part of the portion to uh, think about and focus on. Except I actually think that contained within what we read today is uh, one of the great themes and moral lessons of the Torah. But we got to get there first. So, last week we read about Kehat taking the ark and uh, its related vestments uh, uh, in the wilderness. This week, at the beginning of the portion, we read about Gershon and Merari. So there are two questions. One, why are they split up into different portions? And two, why are they in the order that they're in? Now, let's take the second question first. Why are they in the order that they're in? Now, to the untrained eye, that may not be a question that would arise to your mind. They're in the order that they're in because they're in the order that they're in. But for a careful reader of the Torah, it is actually a very puzzling thing. Because the birth order of those tribes, the children of Levi, was not Kehat, Gershon, and Merari, but was rather Gershon first, then Kehat second, then Merari third. And yet, 
The first one we hear about in the end of last week's Torah portion is Kahat, not Gershon. Gershon actually comes second in the order of discussing the roles in carrying the tabernacle. Why? Why do we list the firstborn second and the secondborn first? Now, one of the answers that the uh, commentators give to that question deals with the first question we asked, which is why are these split into two portions? And the answer they give is for the honor of Gershon, so that he wouldn't be embarrassed, or his descendants wouldn't be embarrassed, that the firstborn is mentioned first, and he's mentioned second. So Gershon gets top billing at the top of this Torah portion, whereas otherwise, if we had listed them out altogether, he would have been listed second, even though he was the firstborn. But this still doesn't resolve the second question, which is, why is Gershon, even though he's the firstborn, listed second, and Kehat, the secondborn, listed first? Now, some of the commentators answer in the following way. That Kehat is listed first because Kehat's charge was more sacred than Gershon's charge. Kehat carried the ark. And Gershon just carried the coverings of the tabernacle, the outside, the curtains of the tabernacle. It was less sacred, less holy, so Gershon is listed second. But okay, you might say, that doesn't really resolve the problem. Because why wasn't the firstborn, Gershon, given the task of carrying the ark? And Kehat, the secondborn, given the task of carrying the less sacred objects, the coverings of the tabernacle, just like Merari is given the task of carrying the poles of the tabernacle, the third-born child. And the answer is, I think, one of the great lessons of Torah, one of the great themes of Torah. If you go back from Genesis moving on forward throughout the entire Tanakh, one of the themes you'll see repeated over and over and over again is the subversion of primogeniture. The subversion of primogeniture. So primogeniture means that the firstborn child should have precedence. This was true throughout the ancient world, that the firstborn child had a special significance in the family. The firstborn child would have had a double inheritance. The firstborn child would have carried forth the family name and the family legacy. The firstborn child was something special, something really important. And we see that reflected in the Torah. So Esau, who's the firstborn of, uh, of uh, Isaac and Rebekah, should have received the birthright should have been the heir of Isaac and Rebekah. And yet, what happens in that story? Jacob supplants Esau. The secondborn supplants the firstborn. It happens to Jacob's father, too. Isaac, the secondborn, supplants Yishmael, the firstborn. It happens, by the way, earlier in Genesis, too. Abel, the secondborn, is the chosen of God even though Cain is the firstborn. Cain overcomes that by killing Abel, but nevertheless, Abel is the choice of God, the secondborn. 
This happens over and over and over again in the Torah. Moses, not the firstborn. Aaron is the firstborn. King David, not the firstborn, yet the chosen of his siblings. Solomon, not the firstborn, yet the chosen of his siblings. Over and over again in the Torah, we see the overturning, the subversion of the principle of primogeniture. Why? I think the answer why is embedded in the metaphor, in the imagery of this Torah portion and what comes in the previous portion. So think about what the Kohatites carry. The Kohatites carry, the second-born family, carries what was at the heart of the Mishkan, the soul of the Mishkan, the spirit of the Mishkan, the ark, and within it, the Torah. That's what the Mishkan was for. The Mishkan was just a housing place. The tabernacle was just a housing place for Torah, for the wisdom and spirituality, the meeting place of God and humanity that was embedded within the tabernacle. The Kohatites are to carry that. And the Gershadites are to carry the externalities of the Mishkan, the externalities of the tabernacle, the coverings of the tabernacle. Think about that imagery for a second. And what it says about the nature of the firstborn versus the secondborn. In other words, it's saying that God is not interested in the external trappings of our circumstances. God is not interested in the genetics that we're born with, what birth order we're in, what we look like, how wealthy we are, how powerful we are. Those are all externalities. What God is primarily, cared with, primarily concerned with, which God says, by the way, in the book of Samuel, when God says to the prophet Samuel, who's looking for a king to replace King Saul, who has been deposed, and the prophet Samuel goes to the house of Jesse to look for a replacement for King Saul. By the way, the house of Jesse, a Judite, okay, Who's the firstborn tribe of Israel? Reuben. Judah is the fourthborn tribe of Israel. Even Levi, who is the, uh, the, the father of the priestly clan, which has a preferential status among the Jewish people, is the thirdborn child of Jacob. Right? Okay, so the prophet Samuel goes to the house of Jesse to look for a replacement king. And all of the eldest sons of Jesse are paraded in front of Samuel, each more strapping and handsome and regal than the last. And none of them are chosen by God. And Samuel's about to give up until he finally says, are there really no other sons that you have? And Jesse says, oh yeah, there's little David over there. He's just a shepherd. He's the youngest. He's the runt of the litter. He's a shepherd. You don't want to see David. And Samuel says, well, I need to do my due diligence. I need to see all the sons here. So might as well bring David in front of me. And God says to Samuel, as David is brought forward, that's the man. And Samuel turns to God and says, really? And God says, God doesn't see the way humans see. Humans only see what's evident to the eyes, but God sees what's in the heart. 
That, I think, is the lesson of the subversion of primogeniture, that theme that comes over and over again in the Torah, including the Torah portion this week. That God doesn't care about the externalities. God is concerned with the heart. God is concerned with the soul. God is concerned with the spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that a firstborn child can't be uh, can't be celebrated by God or can't be beloved by God. It doesn't mean that it's impossible for that to happen. It just means that God is not in love with any person because they happen to be firstborn. God, of course, is in love with all of us, but God rejoices in us depending on where our spirit is where our heart is, not what order we're born, not what gifts might have been given to us at birth, not our beauty, not our strength, not our wealth. But in this, the prophet Jeremiah says, delights God. In discerning and understanding God and in pursuing acts of justice, and righteousness in the world, for in these I delight, declares God. Gershon is mentioned second, even though he's at the top of our Torah portion in the order of who carries the Mishkan, Gershon is not given first billing. Kehat is given first billing. Because Kehat raises an Aaron and raises a Moses and raises a Miriam. Kehat is the grandfather of those three heroes of the Torah. Kehat, in his life, must have done something right. Kehat had his heart and his soul and his spirit in the right place and his actions directed to a divine purpose. And so the Torah teaches us that the birth order is not what defines the destiny of a person, but rather their deeds, but rather their purpose, but rather their sense of direction, rather what, what is in their heart and what is in their soul. And so too for each of us. It is not what we are born with, but how we direct ourselves that truly matters.